technology can be used as a driver of innovation and as importantly, a driver of change. We're moving from creating information in the form of digital, you know, digitization to now getting intelligence from it. And every week I come across a completely different company that is doing something that is mind blowing. We're going to see these types of transformational things that are just to make a sense like, whoa, I never even thought something like that was possible, but now I've seen it and now I see a different type of future. Welcome to Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. We are here to fast track your success by leveraging the power of AI in business. Each episode brings you closer to the cutting edge of technology and entrepreneurship. Let's dive into the world of AI and make extraordinary strides in your journey. Are you ready? Let's go. This podcast episode is brought to you by UAI.AI's Mind Studio. Mind Studio is a no-code AI app builder. With Mind Studio, you can use templates to get started quickly, embed anywhere a link can go, websites, mobile apps, and more, upload your own data sources, easily add automations, and you can even turn on monthly subscriptions to monetize instantly. Sign up today to start building AI apps, again, with no code, today at uai.ai slash mindstudio. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. And this is your host, Ramesh Danta. All right, so artificial intelligence and the impact it's having on is being debated across all parts of the society. One area the debate is really raging is academic institutions, educational institutions. You know, what AI is doing uh, to education, um, and then of course with ChatGPT, there was initially a thing about uh, students cheating using ChatGPT uh, for their homework. You know, does it impact their uh, learning? Um, does it put them back? Right, so that was a huge debate. But later on, uh, you know, people have uh, adopted, have probably still adopted, right? So that's only one part of the debate. The other parts of the debate is what kinds of, how should the training uh, change? How should the curriculum change to incorporate the AI? How can students get exposed to? How should educators get exposed to? How should uh, the administrators, you know, uh, think about AI for the institution itself? So. It's all of these things that are going on. So that's why I thought um, it's best to have a discussion about AI and education uh, from somebody, uh, an academic institution, uh, you know, uh, itself. Uh, so I'm very excited to introduce uh, somebody who I, I admire, you know, very much, uh, Tom Andriola. So Tom is a vice chancellor and is also the chief data and Digital Officer at University of California at Irvine, so UC Irvine. And but prior to that, the reason uh, you know I really like his background is that he did not grow up in academic institutions, right? So he did not have an entire career only in institutions. He is somebody who worked in corp uh, corporate world. He is uh, you know built startups in in the corporates, and then um, in he built uh, both software and hardware uh, groups as well. And then afterwards, uh, um, he joined University of California system as chief information officer. 
and then later on he joined UC Irvine as uh, you know the vice chancellor and chief data and digital officer uh, for Irvine. And and by the way, he's also very uh, ingrained in the healthcare side. So he's a, a, a digital health, chief digital health officer for UC Irvine as well. So he's got one leg um, on the healthcare side as well. So that's why his experience is extremely broad. And it's also at the same time very deep um, because he has built startups in the corporate world, and then he worked for you know multiple years, uh, uh, you know in the corporate world as well. And then he made a transition, very successful transition to academic world. So that's why it's a, it's a very interesting experience. And then he has very truly unique perspectives about artificial intelligence, how to unlock the advantages for artificial intelligence for students, for educators, and then the kind of transformation. He's leading as well. So with that, so let's go and talk to Tom. Welcome, Tom. Um, so I hope I introduced you uh, uh, with the, everything that you're doing currently. But uh, why don't we get started with the introduction of uh, yourself? Uh, you know what you're doing right now. Sure. So what I'll uh, do is you know talk a little bit about my current role and then you know what before that you know, kind of got me here. So my role at UC Irvine is as the Vice Chancellor for Information Technology and Data and the Chief Digital Officer. So what that means is if there's technology you know, associated with it, if there's data, things we're trying to create value propositions around data, I'm going to be somehow involved, you know, either being a driving force or being an orchestrator. And, you know, my background, what got me here was, uh, you know, I have been a Chief Information Officer in my past. Uh, I've been uh, a healthcare uh, technology executive being responsible for products and services into the healthcare industry. So when I came to the university, I was well-versed in what we do from a healthcare perspective and have to have had to pick up the teaching research education part, which I've done, you know, I have about 10 years to be able to, you know, to do. So I have this blend of thinking like a business person and talking like a business person, but really understanding how technology can be used as a driver of innovation and as importantly, a driver of change. And, and we're going to talk about that today because we're in one of those dramatic periods right now. Excellent. So, so Tom, um, so we exchange views on multiple topics in the past. But one of the things since we taught this whole uh, revolution of uh, with the artificial intelligence, right? So nobody expected, I don't know if you did, but I did not expect uh uh, you know, how AI would explode. Um, so even though we started the AI, the future of business three years ago, I never expected that. And especially with uh, generative AI, um, so that I think uh, even every uh, every common person uh, is able to reap the benefits of AI in some form or fashion. But one of the things that really intrigued me is your concept that you're driving everywhere is this uh, information age to the intelligences age. So uh, why don't we get started with what do you mean by the transition, transformation uh, from a, uh, intelligence age, sorry, information age to intelligence age? Yeah, so um, you know, we, we have for the last 50 years you know, really been creating technology, deploying technologies, and all of us becoming users of technology. Let's say starting with the personal computer and then taking advantage of larger scale servers and then the cloud and then things in our hands. Right. And so a lot of that has been taking our way of navigating through life and turning it into something that's digital in nature. Right. You think about analog phone calls that when you and I grew up, we would make a phone call and, you know, signals would go across the line, but they were analog. And then, you know, then they became digital with voice over IP. So now all that's is in zeros and ones. 
And it's that transition to zeros and ones, right? Which has been a part of the information age is we have increased the productivity in our economies through the information age. But now we're harnessing, and the whole AI movement to me is about harnessing those digital, you know, those digital signals, those zeros and ones, which are in everything. If you think about what we're doing right now, this the video file is zeros and ones. The audio file is zeros and ones. And they're now computable files for us to be able to gain insights into, such as, you know, not just creating a transcript, but actually analyzing the video and, and the 41 face muscles I have to actually look at in-depth understanding of meaning and feeling and depression maybe, right? So, so it's becoming a very different world. And so when we talk about this kind of era, it's like we're moving from creating information in the form of digital, you know, digitization to now getting intelligence from it. And every week I come across a completely different company that is doing something that is mind blowing uh, around, let's just call it around taking advantage of the digital revolution, which is now turning it into intelligence, doing something that we've never done before. And I'll just give you a quick example. Sitting last night around something we're calling the AI Innovation Challenge, which is a student challenge to come up with ideas to transform student, you know, what we do here at the university and what we do at our health center that our students are involved in. They listened to this company that talked about how they would take this video, right, or watching a video online, study you know, the response. You know, if I'm sitting in a three-dimensional headset, my eye movement, but also my facial expressions, and actually building consumer insights off of all of that data. So the concept of watch this video and answer these four questions is now being totally driven in a different direction, in-depth by reading those digital files and comparing them against millions of other users who watch the same video and how their eye movements change or how their forehead wrinkles move, right? I mean, so it's a really, really different way of thinking. And that, that's what the, the speaker was trying to get across to, the, to, uh, to our students, which is throw out your assumptions and just put your creativity hats on because it's a bold new world and they're going to lead us into this world, which is really exciting. Actually, I want to talk a little bit more about the AI innovation challenge uh, as well. So through the discussion, so the the thing that you mentioned um, every week, uh, you know, you get blown away by the changes that are having advancement. So I I don't know it's every week, but I'm I'm saying it's like every day and every hour. So if I wait an hour, so I see something that really is that possible, right? So for example, I saw this software that said, hey, you know, you answered these four questions or five questions about your startup and then we'll create a pitch deck for you, right? Yes. I mean, it's, a, it's I'm stuck. It's not that I'm going to take the pitch deck uh, by itself, whatever you're going to produce, that software is going to produce. But, uh, you know, it gives me a, a head start. I might not know what should be in a pitch deck, but now suddenly I know what should be in a pitch deck. So now the human augmentation comes in and then Correct. so I can put my thoughts and make it better. So anyway, so those kinds of things are there. So the question that I uh, have for you, so... Things are happening at such a rapid pace. You said, you know, you sat down with the students and then you, you learn something about a startup. So how should organizations, whether it's a, you know, uh, establishment like a, a, a for-profit organizations or a non-profit organizations or academic institutions like yourself. So the leaders themselves, how should they prepare, you know, themselves and the organizations to assimilate this change 
and then use the change to uh, do whatever is necessary, uh, you know, to meet the objectives of their organizations. Yeah, so it's a complicated question, but one I would say is really already in motion. I mean, I was at, a, at an event about a month ago, 75 large companies, variety of industries, and this movement is already happening, right? It, it's a matter of how much of it is grassroots and how much of it is top down, and it really takes a combination of both, and everyone is somewhere along the journey. Let me give you um, three different models that I kind of think through in my head in terms of what we're trying to do and what I'm asked to do in my role. Uh, and most people know these models. Um, you know, so one is called you know uh, the technology uh, diffusion curve. Some people know it's the technology adoption curve, right? Leading edge, early adopters, mainstream, laggard, that model. And it, you know that your organization actually has all of those different types of people in there. You have some people who, as soon as the new Apple product comes out, they're they're in line getting it, right? Those are your early adopters. And so, but what you're seeing now is that those people, they get out in front very early and they're very self-paced in their learning. And it creates a tension in the them against the status quo. And that's a good thing from my perspective, right? Because tension, it turns into conversations to drive progress. The second one is that I think you need to pay attention to what's going on right now is, is the Gardner hype cycle. Because you know this, like this is a general purpose technology. I call you know I call this AI thing general purpose technology, right? Which means it's foundational. It's going to be like what the internet was for us, what electricity was if you go decades farther back. And they're saying right now that we're at the you know right about at the peak of expectations, headed towards the trough of disillusionment, right? Which means we've all been very hyped on this, but we're going to have now that period of doubting whether it's really going to be impactful. And I think you have to understand. You know, in your organization, where the mindset is amongst these different players around where are they on the curve? Are they excited about it? Have they been playing with it with limited success? Have they pushed it and now they're frustrated and can't do more of what they thought it was going to be able to do? But that's a cycle, right? And that you help people move through the cycle. The third one is more dramatic. And it's actually really good. Our chief innovation officer kind of came with this model, and I really liked it. And I'll give a real example of this. Uh, it's one that econo uh, economists use around when foundational technologies come into our society. And they say they kind of evolve through this. We use them as point solutions, right? So this is kind of what we were just talking about. It's like, you know, um, I'm trying to create a new company, and instead of doing all the research to build a business model canvas and a pitch deck, I now use this AI tool and turn something that might be 50 hours worth of work into something that only took me five hours. That's a productivity hack, right? That's the point solution. And then we start to develop these applications where you can start to complete whole processes around using these tools. And then we start taking a systems approach and we redesign the way the system works. And let me give you an example that is kind of one that we can all wrap our heads around because some of what's going forward, we don't, we can't see too much of yet. But when electricity came around, right, Edison got gets credit for creating the light bulb, right? But it's his work with J.P. Morgan that created the electrical system. And so you had a light bulb that you could use and read at night in your home, right? And then, you know, they started to think about how to power, you know, a building, right? But the redesign was something like this. When the World's Fair came to Chicago, they sold the city of Chicago uh, on using electricity to power the World's Fair, which had never been done before. 
So what were some of the limitations that were eliminated? You could hold the fair at night because now you could light the space and and um, and have it much, much longer than just the daytime hours. You could also now bring electricity to the exhibits. So you now had a whole new set of exhibits that no one had ever seen before that were now powered because of this new foundational technology was available. So it reinvented the whole experience of what it meant to hold the World's Fair. And it was a showcase for the city of Chicago that, that you know, at the time was world, you know, it stretched the, the, the story stretched the world. And so and this is what we're going to see happening now as companies start to bake AI first. You know, you're going to start to see things that are going to blow your mind because you'll be like, everything is designed. And I saw my first true AI pure play company last week. It was a consumer product goods company. So think about that. We're not talking about some something buying something on the internet. A consumer product goods company, everything soup to nuts was driven from AI. Product design, nutritional you know, content, uh, taste was driven by AI, texture was driven by AI, the design of the manufacturing processes and the utilization out of extrusion by AI. And I looked at this, I listened to the sorts, I've been involved with them for several years in some of my healthcare work. And I was like, you are a pure play AI company and you deal with a tangible thing. I said, I've never, I've not seen anything like you yet. And it's turning into the way that they're pitching their, you know, for their next round of funding. And so we're going to see these types of transformational things that are just to make a sense. It's like, whoa, I never even thought something like that was possible, but now I've seen it. And now I see a different type of future. So, so what you're saying is the three models that you mentioned, right? So whether it is the technology adoption diffusion cycle, whether it's a Gartner hype uh, model uh, or the, um, do we have a name for the third one? Or are you going to transformation? I, I, model? Yeah, I just know I just know it as the the the, econ- you know, the economist model for foundational technologies, right? Okay. There's, there's 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 probably some some great economist who has a name associated with yeah. that, but okay, you know what? I have an app though. I think we might be able to find that. <laughs> let's call it economist model for foundational technologies for the sake of discussion. Okay. okay. So let's say so we have these three models, and then different organizations. Um, you know, depending on how they've been operating, probably, you know, for example, technology diffusion, people familiar with it, that's how they do it. But uh, the, the the last one is that uh, what are you talking about? This is where new organizations get born. Like, for example, we have seen in 2000, right, around that time frame, internet age, the companies that are born were unheard of, right? So in 2009, like, uh, you know, the, the Googles and all the, so they, they were, it totally was not there before. So, and then uh, either they disrupted an existing company or they, a new company was born that was never conceived or perceived that is possible, right? So I, I think that is what is going to happen now, right? It could be an organization that's been doing business and suddenly healthcare company, let's take an example, right? So they maybe it's somebody they're doing electronic healthcare records and this and that. And suddenly Google came out and said, we have the health cloud. Now we have a patient information. Does it mean it will disrupt the other companies, right? So, I mean, what are you, what's your a thought on this, uh, this companies who may be doing from an experimentation one step at a time, you know, versus some new companies, they don't have to experiment. They just are there AI first, as you mentioned, you know, at scale from day one. Yeah, yeah. So as you think about what, what you can do when you're, you know, when you're AI first and digital, right? You can scale 
incredibly quickly versus something that is more tangible or even human oriented, right? I mean, we as humans don't scale very well as compared to technology. And so I, I think you're going to see, you know, as we move from, hey, I can be more efficient in how I do my job, or I can write, you know, twice as much code as I used to, to someone saying, I've got a new model uh, for, you know, something. I mean, you know, a great example is what Uber was, right? Uber was a better model for personal mobility. If, you know, people say, well, it disrupted the cab company. It's like, well, think about all the things that it made just better. One, I was ordered on demand. I knew when it was going to show up. I could put my credit card in and pay. I didn't have that awkward period of running my credit card with the stranger in the car, right? So that it was, you know, uh, one of the, the entrepreneurs I was working, that I just talked to a couple of weeks ago, he called it um, the no compromise solution. Those are the ones that really break through. It's like, you're not only more cost effective, you're more efficient and you deliver a better experience. You don't compromise on any of those. If you just have something that's a little bit more cost effective, you get an incremental change, right? But you don't get the disruptive change unless you change the experience. Someone says, this is a better experience. It's actually a better performance. It's actually more cost-effective or cost end user. And so I think we're going to see those disruptions. Now, if you think about during the internet age, some of those early companies got acquired, you know, by, you know, to established companies, right? So, you know, and some of the established companies ultimately built their online equivalents. Think about Walmart, right? Walmart ultimately got there to have the right balance of in-store and online experience, right? Amazon ultimately, you know, has figured out, you know, certain ways in which they want to have a, a brick and mortar presence. We're going to see those types of things, right? But it's all going to be based on this concept of as the world's gone digital, we've got zeros and ones for almost everything that we do. I mean, think about something like taste. Taste now represented in zeros and ones, and we can modulate taste. Um, and so think about when you bring that down to that's available in the kitchen at the restaurant that you're sitting at, and that they're modifying the taste based on maybe your inputs, because your palate is different from mine, based on we, that we grew up in two different parts of the world, right? You think about what a different type of experience that might be in a, in a dining experience, probably very high-end and very expensive in the beginning. But as we've seen, you go for the 1% and then the entrepreneurs figure out how to bring it back to the mass market to grow their companies. So I think we're going to see uh, a lot of disruption here. And as we know, you know, it's the young people who get outside of the boundaries that you know we tend to be, we tend to get as we grow up in a certain world. This is why we wanted to do the AI innovation challenge with them is we want them to push the boundaries. It's a good skill for them to learn while they're here because they're going to use it when they leave us. So, so Tom, actually, that's a good segue uh, to the AI innovation challenge, right? So I saw uh, your introductory, uh, you know, the, how you kicked off the AI innovation challenge. And then I am a little bit more familiar with the UCR wines of the audience. So I may be going to supplement. So you guys already have a Sandra Zhang uh, venture company, right? So that uh, teaches um, students of the, the stakeholders how to take an idea, so the concept idea, I'm, by the way, just uh, full disclosure, I'm a judge and mentor some, and that one as well. So then it takes them through how do you build a startup and then the concept and the concept paper and you get judged on, and then it, uh, how do you, you know, have, they have different workshops and then over a period of six months, I believe, there is a final combination. So then how does your AI innovation challenge uh, complement or differ from that concept? 
Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so one of the things that, that I wanted to do when I got here was 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 to create something like this. I love doing things I've never had the opportunity to do before, right? So this was one of those opportunities. And from my role in the organization, you know, um, we could make it a campus wide competition. Right. So you didn't have to be. So a lot of the competitions are built around like one school or one concept. Uh, and so when you look at 400 kids who came to kickoff night, every school was represented. I don't know how many different majors are represented. Right. There are teams that have been put together with a one student from the business school, one from social sciences, one from computer science and one from engineering. Next team's got one from, you know, a medical school student working with a computer science student working someone from the arts. So, you know, so one of the things that we're really trying to promote this is a multidisciplinary team is a very powerful team because of the different perspectives, especially when you're trying to create these transformational ideas. So that's one of the big differences. You know, the second thing is we try to pick topics that uh, one are, are kind of relevant and then two that are that our students are leaning in on. And so I think, as you know, like, you know, some of the past challenges uh, that we've done, mental health, right, sustainability, we're about to do the finals on. And, you know, the AI thing is one that, you know, uh, they're leading in on because they're using at a much faster pace than, let's say, the administration or the faculty are, right? And, you know, that's, and that's creating part of that tension, right? We have customers who are fast adopters of these new tools and using it to do what they need to do at the university. We have faculty members, some of which who are embracing it, some of which are trying to keep it out of their, their pedagogy because they're concerned that the learning outcomes are going to be compromised because it makes certain things seem so facile. But that's a really active debate right now that, that I'm in at least one conversation a week between we know we can't ignore these things. They're not going away. But how do we make them available in a way that are constructive to their learning, that support their future career, and it is a way that's equitable? Because we don't want certain students to have access to these tools and other students who can't afford them and don't. Because now we've created a, an unlevel playing field, which is a really important value here at UC Irvine. And so, um, and so we, so the competition we have is it's like all comers. That's why it's not a hackathon. It's an innovation challenge because we don't want everyone to feel like they don't belong because they're not a code writer. Uh, and really, really focusing on mixing people from different you know, um, schools and departments and even levels. I mean, we're finding master's students and undergraduate students working together on teams. And that's not typically normal. Sometimes there are a lot, they're just focused on MBAs, right? But we have a lot of mixing going on. And it's actually pretty fun. I was actually in an event last night listening to Industry players talk to our students around the future of storytelling. Media entertainment is being transformed by the introduction of these tools. You know, not just not just writing, but you know, visually, right? Um, audio. Um, talking about new music, creative music coming out. You know, so we call it storytelling because you think about how our societies develop. It's through stories, starting long ago around campfires, and then through great orators and then through people on stage and then people through media. And so it's going to evolve again and it's going to be an interesting world. And we have some great uh, industry uh, mentors that are working with our student teams. So what's the duration of this challenge? Uh, it's about 15 weeks. And so we're, uh, we kicked it off about two weeks into uh, the quarter. 
And we made a conscious decision to have it run past the end of the quarter and past the end of the calendar year into the beginning of what we call our winter quarter. Uh, there's, you know, uh, the students are putting their teams and their concepts together. They, there's a first round that, um, you know, that's going to be like, a, they have to put together a five minute video pitch. And then there's going to be a filtering and winnowing down to a smaller number of teams. And then we'll have real kind of mentor support. And then they'll get to kind of a finalist stage and the finalists will get in front of judges and have an opportunity to pitch the judges, including some more venture capitalists. Uh, and there's prize money at the end for, for some of the winners. Right. And, and so it's, you know, it's exciting. And we gave them three tracks. So they have some choice, uh, hacking the student experience so they can change the experience of the, their, their fellow students at UCI, improving patient care. And then the third is this future, you know, the, the future of storytelling. So they can choose into an area that they're, uh, that they're passionate. So I think you have a, such a very unique perspective, Tom. So that's why I, I get excited. Uh, so I look forward to talking to you. I mean, you, you, you show the enthusiasm. I mean, you don't talk about the enthusiasm. You actually show it. So, um, I was looking at your kickoff challenge and then you put your hat out there. You <laughs> flip the hat and I was looking at Tom. Is that really? So when you wanted to be with, with, with the crowd, Rimesh, right? You when know, in Rome, do as the Romans do. Exactly. So, and then at the same time, you're dealing with a change across the organization, such a large organization. So, right. So you're covering all the ground. So, so I always look forward to talking to you, Tom, as usual, it's another great episode here. So thank you very much. Thanks, Suresh. And if I could just, before I go, just, you know, that I also have a podcast. I mean, you and I have you know, exchanged and, and I've learned a lot from your podcast, Digital Squared, where we talk about these types of transformations, specifically in healthcare and education, if people are interested. Yeah, actually, so that's, let me talk about it. So we didn't get to that. So by the way, so Digitally Disrupted is a, it's a second season that you started. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, it's a very exceptionally well-produced, uh, of course, you have a staff that is doing We have a, a team who does a great job. And then, then the guests that you bring are, um, you know, very profound in, in terms of the impact that they have. So the, the breadth and the depth of what they have to offer uh, from a digital square, I guess I, I have to hand it off to you, Tom. So I think... Uh, uh, the first season, it seemed like you were learning the rope. At the beginning, it seemed like it, but by my, by God, the end of the first uh, season and the second season is kicking into high gear. I mean, I really, really like that part. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, we also have to evolve our games, right? I mean, we're always thinking about, you know, what yeah. what, what, our, what our listeners are, are looking for, what's going to engage them, what's going to keep them coming back. Uh, who knows? Maybe the next time you and I do this, we'll both be avatars. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. So great. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Dr. Uh, Ramesh, thanks. Thank you for having me. Well, that was the end of the first part of my conversation with Tom Andriola, Vice Chancellor and Chief Data and Digital Officer at UC Irvine. Um, as you have seen, so Tom is a visionary, but at the same time is a practitioner, right? So he, you know, makes sure things get done, right? So some of the things that... Uh, is uh, you know doing at uh, the organization or influencing others uh, to do uh, with respect to artificial intelligence and how to unlock that advantage of uh, the AI across multiple disciplines, multiple domains, and uh, so in the industry that he associated with it. So hopefully uh, you got something uh, out of this episode. Thank you, and that's a wrap. And that's a wrap on another insightful episode. 
But remember, the power lies in applying what you have learned. If you found value in our conversation today, please share it with others who could benefit, subscribe for more, and consider leaving us a review. Visit theaientrepreneurs.com for more resources, including golden gems of articles, chat GPT prompts, AI tools, tutorials, gifts, and much more. Let's keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Until next time.